It's July 6th, 2015, and I just got my visa to go to the International. I'm Colin Detmar. And I'm Jan Ineska, and this is Bullcrow, a Dota 2 podcast. And we have a uh, special guest this week. Hello, my name is Ethan, and I play Dota 2 sometimes. All accurate statements. I think. I guess I can't really confirm the name, but I know he plays Dota. So, it's been a weird couple of weeks. It's... Uh, <laughs> I don't know, like, the Immortal 3s finally came out, uh, a bunch of pros have had a lot of trouble, it turns out, getting visas so that they can even go to the International, and of course we've had the Recreational, which is the uh, Gaming Developers Casual Gaming Tournament, which has been entertaining. What? Okay guys, I'll leave it to you, which one of those three do you want to dive into first? I vote for the Wrecked Reational. Are you very familiar with the Wrecked Reational? I heard about it 20 seconds ago. I see. Well, this is the second annual Wrecked Reational. Basically, it was started by a guy... I don't don't remember what company Chris Floyd works for, but basically it's a bunch of generally smaller teams that are, you know, making games. Some people that are reporting on games, building five-man teams and having a little tournament. Um, like, there are people from the, uh, Giant Bomb, uh, gaming news site. There are people from the, like, has it, like, Eidos Montreal, I want to say, who are make, working on the Hitman games. There are people who are making, like... Question. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you participate in this tournament? I would if I thought I could get in. Like, I mean, (laughs) they are nice. I bet if I said I want to get in, I write for this little site called Scanline Media, they'd be like, okay, but I feel like that would be capitalizing on their goodwill. It's <laughs> not in the spirit of the thing. So I do not. Follow-up question. Then why do we care about this tournament as opposed to, say, pro tournaments? Um. Well, one, there are no good pro tournaments going on right now. Um... I personally find it entertaining to watch mid-level teams and sort of see how things shake out, because it's it's a weird thing. Like, at the skill level these people are at, you do not usually see five-man stacks. Like, they happen, but you don't see organized 5v5 games from people at this skill level. And it is weird to see how the meta shakes out, because it is people trying to copy the pros, but also realizing in what ways they can't get away with copying the pros. And I think it's fascinating to watch. My re- my personal reason for caring is mostly because there's people who are, whose work I follow who play in these tournaments. Mm-hmm. That as well is interesting. I uh, the few times I've mentioned minor tournaments to you, Ethan, you've expressed a complete disinterest in anything that is not the highest level. So I assume this would not be so much your bag. It doesn't sound like it. <laughs> well, let's talk about something that is more your bag, then. No, do no. Let's talk about what you're going to talk about on this podcast, <laughs> and that I will is chip part of in. what I'm going. To, that is part of what I'm going to talk about. Go for it. So, just today, we actually finally got the news that Soneko of Navi, on his fourth attempt to get a visa so that he can go to the international, finally got approval. But there appears that there is a lot of trouble for you know 
people trying to come to the United States to play in the international getting their visas approved. And it's a kind of a big problem. Like, teams have missed tournaments because they couldn't get visas. Because, you know, you think about it, and this is uh, the way visas work in basically every country. There are exceptions, but basically every country, it is a customs office, and the officers of that office are, you know, taking, like, interviews and looking at an application, and they can just say yes or no. They have some guidelines, but they can just say no out of hand. Yeah. And when you say... I'm going to this other country to play video games. Obviously, there will be exceptions, but it does not seem like they are trained or encouraged to to permit that kind of behavior. Many will not understand what why, why this is a thing and what is going on. Right. And like and, this is a thing that has become more of a problem as of late. It feel it seems like I mean, here in Europe, we have the laxest attitude to borders, except for, except for the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom are still... Britain, in general, is just a pain in the ass when it comes to crossing into and out of countries. But everything else here is just super lax, but the rest of the world has clamped down hard in the last decade. And it's just like, it seems like it's still continuing to get... Harder and harder to get visas. Yeah, and it seems like, I mean, there's sort of a problem of, like, when you apply for a visa, you apply for different kinds of, like, you indicate sort of, like, the the class of visa you're going for, basically. And the way people have been doing it, at least lately, is that they are applying for the same kind of permit that professional athletes get, right? The same as saying, like, I'm going to go here to play in the World Cup. The problem is that you run into, like, I mean, you just run into the attitudes of, you know, the people who don't like the term esports, right? Well, okay, there are people like me who don't like the term esports just because it's a shitty term, but who don't think that games played professionally are to be respected. So when you say, like, oh, no, I'm going to, you know, the United States to play Dota, it's kind of like soccer or football, if you prefer. Except, uh, you know, it's all on computers and we just sit there and stare at a screen. And the customs officer goes, yeah, no. Yeah, um, they also know what it is. Like, they they have no idea what it is. And that's... I mean, it's shit. It's really shit. And it's something that League of Legends has tried to work on in the past. And it's not been a huge issue for Valve in the past. I guess, like... We haven't had much of a problem with that for the Invitational, the International, mm-hmm. uh, the the big tournaments. But it's it seems like we're it's something that they're gonna have to create a process for. Yeah, which and seems prob- like probably do it sooner because they've been helping people with their visas this year, but it's cutting it so short, so cutting it so close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it seems like, I mean, first of all, they they sort of need to, like, you're writing on, like, laws that allow you to do this, but it's kind of like a a certain interpretation of the law. It's not spelled out that you can do this with video games, so that seems like it needs to be kind of written down. But also, there's just, like, it's a culture thing. Like, if a professional athlete says, you know, I'm going to go to, you know, like, Britain 
to compete in a tournament, part of the thing when you're issuing a visa is, is there a reasonable expectation this person will return, right? And it's like, oh, this is this healthy, spry young athlete with a family and with, you know, a house and investments, right? So, of course, they're going to go home. A lot of the Dota teams are, like, young 20-something males who are not exactly rich or socially well-adjusted, frankly. And from a customs officer's perspective, it's like, you don't have, like, it seems entirely possible that Soneko, for instance, would maybe not want to go home, would just stay in the United States. And of course he won't. But from their perspective, the way they think about video games and the people who play video games, it's just sort of the natural conclusion that they draw. Question. Mm-hmm. When is the next international tournament? How close is it cutting it? that a visa was acquired within the last few days. The first parts of it will begin in a week. The proper tournament is not for a couple of weeks yet, but yeah, the very beginning of, of stuff happening is one week from now. So that's pretty close. I'm trying to look up the exact dates, but I can't find it right now. For the main tournament. But yeah, like, the preliminary stages are starting. Like, right now, basically. Question. Mm -hmm. Do rules exist regarding using alternate players in situations where visas cannot be acquired? Uh, I do not know the extent of the rules. You are allowed to have stand-ins for a certain number of games. I do not know that you're allowed to have allowed to have stand-ins for an entire tournament. I think I, be I believe I, they'd work with you. I but. think that they had a stand. One team had a stand-in the entire tournament last year because one player couldn't get in. But this mm. is the, this is like the first time it's been a threat to multiple teams. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure. Like, even if the rule doesn't exist, it would happen. Yeah, I'm there's no, sure there's, there's no rules, but Valve pretty much like if if you have done everything in your power to fix this situation and it's not fixed, then Valve will work with you. Yeah. But it's it's still a huge problem because like okay, you can understand then, but then, then what's that? Like you're playing in the biggest tournament of the year. And one of your players is a person who doesn't normally play with you. And also, I mean, what does that mean? I mean, what does that mean for the team? And also, what does that mean for the player? The player's yeah. kind of screwed. Um, I assume they're not going to get, like, they'll probably get a piece of the payout for being part of the team. But given that they didn't play any of the games, I would be surprised if they got the full payout for whatever the team wins. Yeah, it's... Mm. It is uh, August 3rd through the 8th for the main event. God, arena soon. in Seattle. God, that soon. Yeah. Yeah, it's we're very soon. We're, we're looking at EVO this weekend, and then, like, three weeks until the Invitational. Summer is just full with, like, video game events. I mean, because no video games are coming out. It's a good time for it. Well, also, I mean, like, let's be honest... When these events started, a lot of people were were in the like college who participated in these events. 
Certainly in fighting games, I bet that's still true. Yeah. In Dota, not as much, I think. But No, but I imagine also like the the audience has more time in summer. It yeah. makes sense it makes sense that all of this is this is when it takes place. It definitely does. And do you think like they announced those two like two more tournaments? Two Yeah, well edit that out. Um two more official tournaments from Valve. You know, I think they're like the fall and winter, I think is what they're going for. Yeah. I mean, how do you think those will do? Because they will be during, you know, school prime time. I think they will do well, but they won't do... I mean, they, they won't do as well, of course. Yeah, I mean, they're not supposed to. The International is, you know, I, at least the way they portrayed it, is the International is always supposed to be the, the big one. Yeah. I think they will do surprisingly well. I think I mean, that the current setup for Dota 2 Esports, with tournaments being scheduled at whim by various competing organizations, uh, is a terrible system. Yeah. And uh, I think well, that it's having... not a system, frankly. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just... the free market is yeah. the system. And the invisible hand that... of the free market. Oh, yeah. So Design's a complete mess. <laughs> having more uh, more official Valve-endorsed tournaments, I think there's a huge market for that. And I think that they could schedule them whenever they want, and they'll do well. So remind me, if I'm wrong, but uh, the, South, uh, the, the Asian tournament that was huge this year is going to be one of the four. Yes. Going forward. Yes, it will. Yeah. It did extremely well. <laughs> yeah, and it's just... It did well because it's the biggest one in the region, and the Asian teams take it very seriously. Well, and it also did well because... I mean, it didn't go all the way... Like, if you want to talk about the, like, the sort of, like, the compendium support, it didn't go all the way towards being, like, an international thing. There was some... Some kind of shitty stuff surrounding it, actually. But, like, it was clearly they went further with a compendium-type solution than anybody else has other than Valve themselves. And had some some partial Valve support, because Valve has a par- partnership with the Asian server provider Perfect World. So they were able to offer just in-game rewards that other tournaments were not, and that got them a lot of money. Yeah. that That's, of course, part of it as well. It it was a bit of a perfect storm. They they had they they got so much money for that one, and yeah. yeah, I imagine that anything with Val backing, especially when we now have these systems that just are supposed to force people into being more consistent with their team lineup if they want to compete in these. I think it's going to do well. I think it's going to help promote. Like propel Dota 2 esports into being even bigger than it has been in the last couple of years. Yeah. Have you been watching a lot of uh, pro stuff lately, Ethan? Not at all. I watch League of Legends instead because it's a far superior viewing experience. They have the guaranteed twice a week long Twitch streams. They're all in the same place. I don't need to go like, is there a tournament? What Twitch channel is it on? Which teams are participating? Uh, 
is this one where they're doing live only, or can I view back VODs? Is it a commentary team I like? No. For League of Legends, it's twice a week, every week, all in the same place. EU teams, North American teams, always the same casters. They're all good casters. Professional production is fantastic. So it's the consistency and the level of quality that it's is all the making best all the difference. Teams all the time, all always with great production, always easy to find. I don't even but, know when Dota two tournaments happen. I have I have an extension on my Chrome browser to tell me, and yeah, it's a I, mess and a half. I spend about a fourth of my life with a tab of the Dota two Reddit open. So, <laughs> I, uh, I see, still you, see all this stuff. You, see, you need to do that. You need to do research. To, oh, it's garbage. To keep it's, up garbage. it's complete garbage. We've talked about this before. We... So, I've never played League of Legends in my life, but it's a superior spectator experience at this point, so that's where I go for that. But, Ethan, here's the real question. How can you stand that fucking UI? Oh my god, it's so bad. Well, I'm not playing in it. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> I even find looking at it kind of painful, but... I mean, like, the, it's better now than it has been. Like, the the way League of Legends looked when it first launched was hilariously bad. Yeah. I mean, let, let's... Let, and let's not, let's not dwell on that subject, because, like, this is a Dota podcast. We all know that we prefer Dota. Let's not... How Pajani isn't half the fun of liking Dota hating everything else? I heard Heroes of the Storm is quite good. We play that <laughs> a little bit. It's it it's a game. It it's not it's it's a decent little game. Dota, Dota is a sport, Heroes of the Storm is a game. Yeah, let Yeah. <laughs> Alright. I guess we should move on. So We really should. One of the rewards from the uh, International Five compendium is a uh, unlockable uh desert terrain for dota and they've been starting they've been pushing some of those files to dota 2 reborn and as the dota community is wont to do there has been some data mining and they found a few interesting things they found some new neutrals which could just be neutral like neutral camp reskins or they could be entirely new creatures and they found what appears to be meepo's dad <laughs> which is really weird <laughs> what I mean it looks like Meepo except for it's taller and it's got a long white beard and it looks grouchy I mean <laughs> I don't know maybe it's it's uh, time traveling Meepo from the future maybe it's what happens when all five Meepos get caught in a chronosphere at the end there's just one left and it's super old it's what happens when all five Meepos get caught in a black hole well, they get pulled through the middle, and they get compressed into one meeple, but also sent yes. through time because of the wormhole effect. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And they come out in a chronosphere. Here's a question. Yes. <laughs> yes? Is, what the fuck do we talk about on this podcast? Is a new desert terrain pack or reskin on the map compatible with the various weather effects that have been previously released? Can the I play my Dota 2 games in a snowy desert? I believe there is said so. 
I mean, and also, like, the snow doesn't really affect the ground that much. It's snow falling through the air, and I don't believe, I don't have any reason to believe that that would affect the air. So all weather effects should work, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what that thing is. It's, man, like, it's just watching some of the screenshots that came out of that is just... This doesn't look like the same map. I know it's the same map, but it doesn't look like the same map. How am I going to find my way around this? Well, and it's also going to be compounded by the changes they made to the map in Dota 2 Reborn, right? Like, the map is slightly different because they try to... They, um... The map in Dota 2 Regular is just like they hand-built this map, right? And they built it like every part is custom-tweaked. In Dota 2 Reborn, it is based on a grid-based tile system that they use for the custom creator. So some parts where it was very specifically, like, narrow shapes, they actually had to change somewhat. There are new juke paths, there are new ward locations and stuff. Not a lot of them. The question is how much of that is going to remain for the final release of Dota 2 Reborn? At this point, we don't know. Maybe all of it will, maybe none of it will. But either way, it will certainly at least look a little different, and combine that with the the like the desert terrain changes. I genuinely do think it will look kind of bizarre yeah. for a while. Also, how do you show the differences differences between the radiant and ancient sides when it's all just sand? Maybe it's dark sand. Palm trees and weathered palm trees. Yeah, <laughs> burning like, lava palm trees. Like. Maybe the dire side is like this darker, stonier desert. Question. You know, deserts aren't just sand. <laughs> How are map reskins being monetized? Currently, they are not. Well, in this case, this is very much a part of the compendium. You get it if you buy the compendium. Well, but it's not clear if everyone's going to get it or if it's going to be a thing you can equip. That's true, that's true, but like... Because, I mean, like, they've done, you know, like, there was the New Bloom map change, there was the Dire Tide map change, there was the Winter Snowy one, or whatever. Like, they've done map changes before for everyone for free. But in this case, it's like, this one is very specific to to encourage people buying the compendium. Yeah. Do you think that it will remain compendium exclusive? We don't know. Like, it, it, the wording is vague. The wording is vague. But it, either way, it was a stretch goal for the Compendium, so even if it's not exclusive, it was a bit, it's, it's a, like, you, if we don't reach this number, nobody gets it. Well, and also, the, like, they haven't said it's Compendium exclusive, and that could just mean, like, if it is equipable, that will just mean that it's an immortal, right? Hmm. So, I mean, like, you can sell the Compendium music pack, you probably should, because this one sucks, but... Anyway. So, the other thing that came out was the Immortal 3s. I don't imagine we have too much to say about them. I mean, they came out, they're... Alright. I don't I, know. I, I got the only one that matters. Which is no, the did. hair. You didn't get the Zeus. The, the hair is the only thing that matters. Ethan is a noted non-carer of cosmetics, so I imagine you're not enthused? Well, that's not entirely the case. Have you seen these ones? I saw that there is one for Witch Doctor, and Witch Doctor is my boy. I have 298 games played as Witch Doctor. 
So I would very much like to get the cool Witch Doctor cosmetic. I still have and rep my cool TI-3 Witch Doctor mask. Well, uh, and you could combine these because this is a back slot. And this is a I'm, monkey that's... And like... I'm not in love with my current back slot. The problem is that the way Immortals worked last year was you get a compendium, and then you get a random immortal. And I am not interested in purchasing a compendium in order to roll the dice, in order to maybe get the cool witch doctor the, thing I want. That you know is how secret. it works this year as well. And especially with the... So the thing is, like, as you level up your companion, you get more and more treasures, but it, but you have to put in a lot of money or a lot of time to get more treasure trees. So it is very unlikely that you just buy the companion and you get more than one. You would have to pet, put in a lot of money. Not that much money. You would have to put in a lot of money. Now you're making me feel self-conscious. Well, well as I am a noted non-hat enthusiast... You are a noted hat enthusiast, so we recorded an episode of this. We recorded an episode of this podcast that was just me and a friend of mine talking about hats for an hour. So yes, I think that's fair to say. So I (sighs) suppose this leads to a new question. Oh, do either of you have the cool witch doctor immortal? And may I have it? Uh, I have it. You may not. If I get a spare, you can have it. I don't have it. I only have the invoker hair. The Invoker hires magic. I have all of them except for the golden ones. I don't have any of the golden ones, and I don't care, because they all look... Okay, the the Treasure 3 one, the Gyro one, actually looks okay. But in general, Golden Immortals look like shit. Yes. I I I would like the Zeus Lightning Bolt, but, you know, if I if I only had to have one, I, I am happy with having the hair. <laughs> it is so It is so bad. It is so good. Question. If I just went into, like, the Sedeen community store, or whatever it is they have, could I just buy myself the Witch Doctor monkey? There is a marketplace cooldown on items that are unboxed, so I believe you would have to wait a couple of months before it is even marketable. Hmm. After that point, certainly you'll be able to. The question is, how much money is that going to cost? It's not going to be much. The lightning bolt is going to be a lot, isn't it? God damn it. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. God damn it. <gasps> but yeah, like, I got... I don't know, was it like TI3 had like the Earthshaker Gravel Maw? I bought that a while back and it was like $2.15. And that was fine. So I don't have any very good options to get myself a Witch Doctor Monkey right now. I mean, no. if... You, when you're, well, one of your options is wait for Colin to get another one. And that's actually not terrible. My compendium level is 275, I think. So I'm clearly wasting way too much money, and I'll probably end up wasting more at some point. They'll probably announce, like, oh, and if you get to level 300, we'll get you this tiny hat for your ward. Aren't you shooting for a level 1000? Absolutely. Like, I don't give a... Like, obviously, that's way too much money, and also, I don't give a shit Have about we, that we, replica ages. Th- this was after we recorded the last one, right? Let's talk it, about what? this in detail. <laughs> Do you know about this, Ethan? No. 
if you hit compendium level 1000, they will make a little one-fifth scale replica of the Aegis of Champions, inscribe your name on it, and send it to you in the mail. Like a physical trophy. Why would you want that? That's not <laughs> exactly. A, that's Why not would you want that? a cool thing to have. It, it has it's no like... utility. It's not something I want to show off in a treasure case or on my wall. That's something it, it... I want to hide with. Yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> under like, the bed. It's it's and it's it's the exact same design as the the ones they give the winners of the international. So you just look like a total poser. I think. Question. Hmm? Is my reaction to this uh, shared across the board, or are people enthusiastic about this? And it, if there, so, why? It there really are is enough split. people that are enthusiastic about it that the 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 prize pool for the in, the international spiked just after this announcement. Didn't spike? I mean, like. The biggest spike was when they released that chest that had Faceless Rex yes. as one of the possibilities. That was the biggest spike that the compendium got. This was not that large a spike, but there was a noticeable increase in people buying it, buying things. Yeah. Because <sighs> people are fucking lunatics. Yep. How much, money, how much money have you spent on fake hacks? Listen... Let's not let's not talk numbers, okay? Then let's to... not go calling people lunatics, okay? I buy things. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> they are buying nothing. They are buying hats that they already own so that they can get a bigger hat. They are crazy. I am kind of crazy. Colin, the the the, the compendium level one thousand trophy is not a fucking hat. Small enough that that's basically the only way you could use it is wearing it as a hat. It's, it's way more useless than a hat. If they shipped me an actual hat, that would be worth more than this thing. Especially if it was plated in metal, that'd be alright. Question. Yes. So, working your way up to Compendium level 1000 will result in you gaining a lot of duplicate immortals? Yes. Tons. Which like, means that there's going to be a ton of extra witch doctor monkeys around? I wouldn't need to get to level 1000. I'm like, like 275. If I got to level 300, I would probably have two more witch doctor immortals that you could just have. I'm just thinking of the market, and I am now 100% behind this <laughs> 1000 points. Well, the problem... Incentive, friend, because the it problem. will the market with a glut of witch doctor monkeys so then they'll be cheap and plentiful and I could get one you would think however there's one other change that they made that you may not know about if you get an immortal and you right click on the immortal there are a few options one of them is new one of them is consume for two compendium levels wait mm. so pe people who are trying to get to 1000 when they get extra compendium levels are almost certainly just burning their immortals to level up faster that that is great that mm -hmm. that is that is fucking devious i had missed that part oh yeah it's fucked up <laughs> so i'm looking up the which compendium level did you say you had <laughs> uh, i believe i have 275 so every ten, so you are past the point where every ten level gives you another immortal chest. 
Right, but it goes like first like ten levels you get a treasure one, then another ten levels you get a treasure two, then another ten you get a treasure three, and then it repeats. Yeah, that's a way faster pace than it is lower down because it's like I would have to put in like fifty more levels to get another treasure tree. Yeah, it's completely absurd. And okay, I'm sorry. I have. I was ready to move on from the Aegis, but I have to add in, I'm looking at their description of it. The Collector's Aegis is a one-fifth scale alloy replica with antique brass plating. Antique brass plating. That's a load of bullshit. You just made these, they are not antiques. Yeah. Shut up. (laughs) And... I'm not even concerned about the honesty of marketing in this, but I'm not convinced that there's much overlap between the audience that wants a replica (laughs) Aegis and the audience that cares about anything being in any way antique. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're correct about that. (laughs) Probably. (sighs) Ah. Alright, well, let's just go on to our, our agonyms of the week, which is going to be uh, Spectre, as requested by Ethan. Fr- uh, favorite character of yours, I understand. Uh, I quite like him. I'm bad Her. at him. Her. Her. I am not a skillful Spectre player, but I like the character. Well, all right. Johnny's are always the worst, so we'll let Johnny go first. <laughs> What's well, your idea, Johnny? I just think you should let him like infinitely warp between all of the illusions and have them stay around for a long time. That wasn't a very complicated or cringe-worthy idea. I mean, or interesting. Just like, no. oh, the illusions are around for longer. Well, and also he can like. The point would be that he could g- get in and get out yeah, with the same I, cooldown. I think that no matter what, an Agonyms needs to extend the duration. Because although several many months ago, the utility was added to warp multiple times during the duration of a Spectre Ultimate, that's not a practical power because it doesn't last long enough. You warp into one, get a kill, and it's over. Wait, you can't technically warp between many now? Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't doesn't last long enough for that to be very useful. Did they change that when they made it so that the other illusions didn't disappear when you warp? Yes. All same change. Well, I think if you're going to do that, there's a more interesting way to do it, which is, I don't think, I mean, I guess you could make Haunt last a little longer. But the interesting thing is to say that she has access to reality, which is the swap place move, even when she's not in haunt and she can swap with any illusions of hers. Illusion rune or manta style. Now, see, I thought about that, and then I thought, you know what? I don't like illusion heroes, and I think that illusion heroes are boring. And so, I don't want to make Spectre into an illusion hero. My proposal... Hang on, I gotta pause you here. You don't like illusion heroes, but you like Spectre the illusion hero. 
No, Spectre, Spectre doesn't do that much with illusions. That is not what Spectre is about. I mean, and but... when you create the illusions, they do their own thing automatically. You're yeah, not you can you can them. actually not control the Spectre illusions. Yeah, yeah this is no, you're not using them for farming, for pushing, for proxy anything. Uh, you, I guess that's true. Mantis style is core, but I, you're just popping that to hit people really hard. Hmm. No more an illusion hero than Luna. I see. Hmm. So what's your idea then? My thought was that there's two utilities for the haunt. It's a team fight tool for area of effect damage that's hitting everyone. But it's also the powerful. You can add a plus one to any game in any part of the map and uh, become a pickoff tool. I thought that it was more interesting to focus on the pickoff utility. So I propose that Anagadims would increase the duration of the haunt very slightly. Maybe not at all. It would add Spectral Dagger hit to every enemy hero, regardless of where they are, to slow them down as they're running away. And if Spectre gets a kill during the haunt, then the timer resets. That that's, way, that's fucking gross. That that's way, messed up. That way, if you get a kill, you can actually use the multiple reality haunts to move around and potentially snowball. He took an interesting perspective on the same idea that I had, which is I want it to be the pickoff and scouting. Well, I want scouting as well, because my idea is that the haunts are stealthed, and when you swap with a haunt, you become... Well, okay, Spectre becomes stealth when she hits Daunt, haunt, as do the illusions she creates, so you don't even know that they're there. And the first hit that Spectre does out of a haunt like this, the haunts don't attack like this. But the first hit out of a haunt is kind of like Silver Edge. It's like an enhanced... I don't know exactly what effects I would give it, but like a, you know, sort of a backstab effect. An enhanced, powerful hit. So first off, you can use it to scout without them knowing you're scouting them, because your illusions are invisible. And also, if you swap in, your first hit is brutal. Would this mean that the illusions no longer auto-attack the target? Because that means that it no longer has the teamfight utility at all. Indeed. I think that's part of the trade-off. I think it would be really good for pickoffs, but it wouldn't have the teamfight utility. And that's a choice you're going to have to make if you want this Agonims. You are trading something. Are there any other heroes with a negative trade-off on their Agonims? Actually, yes. Treant Protector's Agonims affects his overgrowth so that, um, normally overgrowth does damage and also holds targets in place. Once he gets his Agonims, if he does overgrowth and the overgrowth is from him, it only holds them in place. It no longer does damage. If he does it from one of the trees he has made into a ward, one of his eyes in the forest, then it does the damage and the entangle. So he actually does. I am positive. So he technically loses a little bit of damage. If he does it differently. It's a very weird interaction. I thought it was the other way around. Nope. I've that, tested it. 
it was pointed out to me by someone on the Dota 2 Reddit being like, hey, this is bizarre. And I tested it and it was right. I think that I think that's the opposite way it's written in the tooltip. Is that a bug? <laughs> it could the tooltips for Treant are fucking terrible. They are. That's true. <laughs> Why would that be in that way? Why would you be incentivized to bolt off of your eyes in the forest instead of off of yourself? That's the opposite of a risk-reward scenario. You are rewarded more for putting yourself at less risk. I would not be surprised if it was a bug. That sounds like a bug. But I mean, also, like, if, you're, if your point is that agonims thus far have not had a trade-off, I mean, well, first of all, there's the trade-off of giving up a slot. Um... But also, like, well, then let's innovate. This one has a trade-off. Get it or don't. See how your game is going. And if you think you need the pick-off potential more than the teamfight potential, then go for it. I think both of those ideas are interesting. But, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I don't know if it would be balanced to have such a big trade-off. Like, I don't know if it would be good enough. But balance questions are balance questions, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess just the concern is that, like, if you let them attack, like, one, it might be too good, but the other thing is that they just immediately break their own invisibility. Yeah. Like, the point of being sneaky with it would be completely ruined. Because, you know, the other thing is, if they don't break their invisibility, if they can attack while invisible, you still know you're getting hit. You still know that something is hitting you, and then you're getting the desolate effect. Speaking of scouting tools, I really miss Weaver's old Watcher's ability. The corpse thing? Yeah. Like, where where we could just turn a corpse into a, a, an invisible unit that scouted for him. That That is so overpowered, but it, it's yeah. really stupid. Like, you, you, I remember those games in Warcraft 3 Dota where you would have, like, three or four watchers running around on a patrol route. On different patrol routes, just checking all over the map, having absurd map control. I mean, I don't think me or Ethan played back then, so... When that was the case. Yeah, that but, was very early. <laughs> I mean, like, it that, seems... That was, that was before Dota 2. It has never be existed in Dota 2. Yeah. I just, I mean, I guess, like, the question becomes, like, what was Weaver's role? I mean, he was still mostly a carrier. He just happened to have a scout ability. I think it's a really cool ability. It was on the wrong hero. And it was too mm. good. But I still think the idea is cool. Hmm. Well, I've more or less abandoned the thought that there will be new heroes added to Dota 2, given the ever-slowing rate even of old hero conversion. So I wouldn't hold my breath for that. There is go there is going to be more heroes. I can promise you that. Yeah. They are I, not I, done. I am pretty certain there will be. I mean they they have said as much, but obviously that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But I am I am pretty sure there will be. And also, the pace actually hasn't been ever I would say the pace slowed considerably. The biggest gap was between I I can't remember who I think it actually was Legion Commander, between Legion Commander and Techies. 
that was a huge gap. And then it, it picked up a little bit. Like, we have gotten Oracle and Winter Wyvern and Techies within a year, which is not crazy, but it's decent. It's like, yeah, I I think it's slow as shit, considering that we're just porting in old heroes. I think they just... I think... I don't really know what they're doing, but... I mean, but they're not just porting in old heroes. They're making changes as they do so. They are. Like, they That's are, true. They are not coming, they're not coming out, like, just like, oh, here are the new models and animations with no abilities changed. They're changing them. Yeah, they are. And, I mean, like, they are still... I put it this way, several of the heroes that, uh, that, like, there have been heroes added to Dota 1 while Dota 2 has existed. And mm-hmm. some of those are the ones that have recently been ported over, and some of them haven't yet. I mean, there are only two heroes left. Yeah. Pit There's Lord and, and Orc Warden. And, yeah. and Orc Warden is one of the new ones that they designed while Dota 2 existed. Orc Warden is fucking weird. I have no idea what Orc Warden actually does. I have looking, read his stuff. I'm looking forward to Pit Lord. Like, I barely remember how... Like, when I played when Pit Lord existed in Dota 1, it was like... we didn't. Nobody knew the game well enough to really, like, play him well. Nobody I played with did. So, it's gonna be really interesting to see what kind of an impact he has on, like, team... On, a, like, team level when he comes out. Because he's the one of the heroes who I have no... From Dota 1, where I have just no idea how good he will actually be at all. I mean, I think it'll be really messed up, frankly. Like, in a great way. But, like, if you combine him with anyone who has any ability to control creeps... I mean, if you let's say you combine him with a Lycan, with the Stealth Wolves. His ult is basically a full-team Boots of Travel. Yeah. So you can micro that wolf around to wherever you want to be, and then after, like, a couple of second cast time, have an entire team just teleport in. It's great. It's going to be fucking terrifying. I I think it's great as well. But, like, I don't think there's any way that doesn't end up being relevant. That's just too damn good. The yeah, backdoor it... potential is insane. The ganking potential is insane. Well, there's a very easy way that it can end up not being relevant. It can just be put in the depths of not balanced, never going to be, along with Oracle and Earth Sphere. And Oracle just... will be one day. They're getting there. Yeah, and like I, I imagine that they they will want. I Pitlord was in Captain's mode in, in Dota One. Hmm. And also, I'm like I mean. Sure. He was. What, like, Wyvern and Techies both got enabled in the last six months. Yeah. They're working on it. They're getting there. Phantom Lancer was enabled, and that was fucking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the current Phantom Lancer is not as unstoppable as the old one, but he is an even better uh, pub stomper than he was. He's he's gross. He's an, like... It's just, yeah, you managed to balance him better on a professional level, but you made him even worse on public. Congratulations! <laughs> yeah, there's a few uh, characters that consistently have that issue. Uh, very one, uh, one-dimensional one characters. If you make them good enough at that one thing to be played in pro, then they're Far too good in pubs. Drow Ranger has had this problem historically. 
Spirit Breaker, similarly difficult to deal with because, I mean, if his tools are good enough to be used in a pro game, then in pubs they yeah. can just destroy. I mean, I feel like the consistent theme is it's it's the people who tend to be, I mean, not like... Not like solo operatives, because in a pro-game, pro game, no one just works alone. But like the people who have the power to make plays happen by themselves, that is just universally something that is insanely good in a pub where there's bad coordination. Axe. When Axe was, when Axe is good in pro games, he is unstoppable in pub games. Earthshaker, I, mean, I, I think, think per, like personally, a good Earthshaker will just ruin people. Not to the extent that I think is unfair, but that's probably just because I'm an Earthshaker player. Yeah, I've, like I don't think he's unfair because you can play against it, but people don't. They don't. Yeah. So he just crushes, and I mean, if we want to talk unfair, I think like Weaver is unfair on pub because he's so impossible to kill. Uh, Phantom Lancer is of course unfair on pub, Smart. but there aren't many. Well, yes. Slark is, I mean, Slark eventually, like, the problem with, like, the thing with Slark is that until he hits level 6, he's so shitty. Yeah, but level 6 what doesn't percentage, take that long. Yeah, what percentage of the game time is there? 10%? I mean, but that's not the thing, right? Like, I've seen Slarks who never got big because they got crushed so hard during the laning phase. They yeah. were not irrelevant, but they were not a problem. Yeah, if you fuck up early, he can be completely useless, but, like, I don't think that solves the problem of what a monster he becomes on pub if you don't, but that's that's such a that's such a hard problem to solve, and in some ways I'm not sure it's worth trying with all of them. I think you can probably do something about, like, the most extreme examples, like Phantom Lancer, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I think you're right. Alright, well, we've gone through most of our topics, so I think we're going to close out with some uh, Dota lore. Uh, normally we've been doing heroes, but actually this week we've never explained the basic lore of Dota. As in, why are we defending these ancients and what are the ancients and all that? Okay. Could, are could you, we are go you... a wee bit more meta and first explain why we are explaining the lore of Dota? Uh, well, because Colin is Crow, uh, Colin uh, Colin is crazy enough that he knows the lore and he basically needs to justify that somehow. I actually have gotten emails and tweets from fans. I may not be allowed to use the plural there. Maybe I just have to say fan from one specific fan saying that I needed to make the lore segment that we did in the first episode a weekly segment. And I was ready for the excuse. Alright, no. You've is got that to the same your audience. And is, is this van the same person who you did the, the hat episode with? You know, I don't remember who sent the email. I didn't check the name. It was just an email from a fan. Sure. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> so, lore. <laughs> Johnny's favorite. <laughs> so, it is called Defense of the Ancients, obviously, because you are defending the two ancients. The story with the two ancients is way before the beginning of the world, sort of back when the world, the, the universe was just getting started, 
there were two beings, the dire and radiant ancient. They were obviously not ancients at that time because they, you know, nobody was that old back then because the universe was just founded. But they are considered, they're basically as opposite as, you know, the two ends of, of a magnetic force, right? They just, on a very basic level, hate each other and they fought and fought and fought. And the gods of that world who created the universe were just like, this is fucking stupid. You two are idiots. We're going to lock you in basically a prison with each other, and you two can just shut the fuck up for all of eternity. We're sick of it. And this is Elder Titan who's doing this, correct? As Elder he Ti created the world. He created the world. He did not create the universe. Elder Titan is a from the... Since we're going to get into it, Elder Titan is from the race of Titans, and the Titans are a race that forged worlds, but they did not forge the cosmos itself, Wait, is wait. as far as we can tell. So, we're talking Titans, but this is Dota 2 lore, not Dota 1 lore. Correct. I... Huh. Yeah, don't think about it too hard. Like, explaining the lore is doable, explaining how it interacts with Blizzard's lore from Warcraft gets real tricky. <laughs> um, Dota 1 has different lore from Dota 2. Yes, oh, it's, yes. it's the worst, and it's also like, Do uh, Dota 1 lore is heavily interwoven with Warcraft lore in general. Yeah, Elder Titan in Dota 1 was just a Tauren chieftain. He was not Elder Titan, until he became Elder Titan. But his lore was just like, hey, it's a Tauren. <laughs> yeah. He's strong. Um... But yeah, the Titans are basically crafters of worlds, and they. I, my understanding is that they were created by the gods to make the worlds after the gods themselves had made the you, cosmos you, itself. You are basically telling me Warcraft lore right now. Anyway. <laughs> Fucking so hell. The, <laughs> the world was made, and the oh. world was having its good time, and in orbit of it was what the denizens called the Mad Moon because it was this weird moon that just shone with a strange light, and it was kind of fucked up, and it was actually the prison of the two ancients. And even locked in this, like, sealed and basically stasis, the conflict between the two on such a basic polar level was so extreme that eventually the moon split in half and fell to the earth. The two ancients fell and landed in different parts of the world, and they sort of... Basically, like, their influence, like, the ancients were, ancients were a massive source of power, but so people tried to draw on it, but if you did, they kinda corrupted you to their way of thinking to a certain extent. Stronger individuals, like heroes, could resist it, but like, creeps? Those used to just be normal people, who were just basically brainwashed by the ancients. So, due to this, like, fundamental conflict between the two, the ancients are now basically using I don't want to say the human race, because obviously a lot of the Dota world is not human, but the mortal races are now the puppets of their grand war, which has sp spanned the history of time. Okay, so... <sighs> I'm not sure I'm down with farming, if farming is just mass murdering <laughs> brainwashed dudes. What did That's you think it was? That's something you're going to have to come to terms with. <laughs> like, what did you think it was? They're <laughs> just, like, infinite waves of... Uh, individuals, so to speak. Soldiers. I mean, they are... If you read the... the Some of the comics they have put out with updates of Dota, there are indications that it is possible, like, 
that if a normal person comes in contact with radiant or di- radiant or dire ore, which is you know the rock that the ancients are made of, in small quantities they will start to be converted into a creep, and it is possible if you get separated from it from it to revert. But the creeps that we see in Dota are too far gone to be saved. They are essentially zombies. I so you're telling me that. Like okay, so the, these ancients are literally the, the the ancients that are in the game, like the, the the things you destroy at the end of a match. Pretty much, the ancients have like they lost a lot of themselves when the Mad Moon blew up. Like, for example, okay, the Demon Edge. You know the item you can buy, the Demon Edge. Yes. Its hilt is made of dire stone, and its blade is made of radiant ore. Because when those things exploded a lot of pieces of them scattered over the land. The ancients are not as strong as they used to be because they have lost a lot of themselves. Well, but... But their fun- the fundamental force behind them exists still. <laughs> I'm just imagining those two, like, models trying to fight in melee combat. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing. <laughs> well, there was a point in Dota's history, where the Radiant Ancient was just a tree monster and could actually walk around and fight. That was a long time ago. And is that retconned out of the lore? Or is there an explanation for why what was once a tree monster is now a chunk of stone? Well, I that, imagine that comes Colin down... is talking about Dota 1. Yeah, that's the thing, is it comes down to Dota 1 versus Dota 2. In Dota 2, that has never been the case, and Dota 2 is a fresh set of lore. I am not Mostly. very familiar with Dota 1's lore, <laughs> because the few times I've poked my head into Dota 1's lore, I've basically run out screaming, because it is the worst. It is the worst compared to Dota 2 lore, which is already the worst. Dota 2 lore is stupid. Dota 1 lore is stupid and offensive. And I know people who are really into Dota 1 lore and think Dota 2 lore is garbage and that... Well, they're not wrong. They're partially not wrong. They're they're not wrong about Dota 2 lore being stupid, but they are completely wrong about it being stupid because it's worse than Dota 1 lore. What the fuck? So anyway, (laughs) that is the defense of the Ancients. You are defending Mm -hmm. the Ancients because... You know, there's profit in it for you. Hero units are are units that are able are people that are able to resist its influence for the most part. But that's all the world basically is anymore. I mean, th- there are places outside of the Battle of the Ancients, but it is slowly consuming the world. Let me tell you my head of for Dota Two lore. I th- I think you will find it vastly preferable. There isn't any lore; just play the game. No, actually, I don't prefer that at all. You prefer this fucking garbage. I prefer there to be a reason, even if the reason's stupid. I prefer to not know the reason to, like, having this bullshit. I'm gonna go with Johnny on this one. (laughs) This is worse than nothing. Hmm. You are entitled to that opinion. Hunger is better than pickle. Nothing is Pickles better are than so the, fucking good. Nothing is better than the Dota 2 lore. 
there, there's sometimes it's preferable to go without. Your comparison failed on the most basic level. Yeah, pickles are great. Pickles are great. Imagine, oh, a, imagine a cucumber and you put it in salt water to shrivel it up and take out all the delicious fresh crispiness. Okay, cucumbers suck. And yes. also, you don't know how to make pickles. <laughs> if you think you just put it in salt water, brother, that is a nasty fucking look, pickle. Look, no, it's guys. acidic. I make, I make, I make pickles at work. I know what you do. Guys, it involves a lot of herbs. Anyway, yes, John. I, I think we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, Ethan. Uh, we'd love to have you back sometime. It was great, you know. You're having you pep welcome. us up when we were not having too much to talk about. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at 6264. Johnny is at Johnny Warp Zone. Bottle, Bottle Crow itself is at Bottle Crow. You can email us questions and comments at, at, at BottleCrowPodcast at gmail.com. Um, we are on iTunes. Reviews would be appreciated. And, you know, if you have someone who you think would appreciate this podcast, let them know. We don't tend to self-promote very well, and we definitely don't make any money off of this. So the only way this podcast is going to get bigger is if you step up and tell a friend. Even if you tell them, this is probably garbage, but you should listen anyway. That's the only way you can recommend this show, after all. <laughs> Honesty is the best policy. You weren't kidding. You are bad at self-promotion. Really? <laughs> oh, we're the worst. Like, and Colin is still better than me. Try this. You should listen to Bottle Crow Podcast, because someday Ethan might be on there again. That's true. That's quite the appeal. It, you don't it, have to just put up with us. Yeah. Maybe one day there will be some other person there. Maybe one day I'll replace Johnny with a robot. I'll have to give it a Swedish accent, though. We need to it's end this fair. episode. Let's stop. We, we, bye. Bye. Thanks for joining bye. us. Bye, everyone. <laughs>